0: Man. All right, go ahead. Have a seat. We are uh, three Sundays away from Christmas Eve. So we got the 10th and 17th and then Christmas Eve. We're going to do something on Christmas Eve just for the sake of doing it because sometimes people in life just need a deadline to do something good. So uh, yeah, it's behind me. All I want for Christmas is baptism. If you're here out of junior high, you're a follower of Jesus and you've never been baptized, uh, I'd love for you to get baptized on Christmas Eve. Why Christmas Eve? Because it's available, right? Like you're the type of person who just needs a deadline. Uh, So if that's you, you're out of junior high, you're a follower of Jesus, you've never been baptized, uh, talk to me afterwards or grab one of those connection cards in the seat back in front of you. Put down your name, your number, and just write baptism on the back. Uh, we'll get in touch with you this week. We've got two ladies uh, who would, who are excited about getting baptized on the 24th, and so we'd love to have a whole lot more people with that to celebrate the new life that Christmas represents. It's Jesus coming into the world to change our Everyone and to save us from our sins and baptism is a picture of that. We're going to celebrate that on Christmas Eve because all I want for ba- all I want for Christmas is baptism. So we're starting our Christmas series today. It is called the Miracles of Christmas because there's so many things that had to happen leading up to Jesus coming into the world that the only way that they could have miraculously come together is if God in heaven decided, "Yep, I'm going to do that." And so God does it, and it's a miracle. And there's so many different things that come together to make it happen. So we're going to look at four miracles of Christmas. And the first one of those puts together perfectly, I think, two opposite extremes about how people think about God. Either God is the referee up in the sky who is waiting to hit you with the flag every time you do something wrong. Not just throw the flag, but to hit you with it every time you do something wrong. He is big, he is powerful, he is holy, and and he is seriously going to whack you with that thing as soon as you do something wrong. That's one picture of God. And there are parts of it that are true, but most of it is not true. The other side, I'm calling it the Amazon God, where there are millions of things about who God is, and you and I, because he loves us so much, we've got the privilege to choose exactly what we want, and to totally avoid the things that don't matter to us that we don't want as part of your life and mine. And if you think about Amazon, there's literally like millions of things on that website that you could get sent to your house within two days. One of those things, at least it was on there the last time I had somebody else look for the weirdest thing on Amazon, because I'm not looking at that, is you can buy, for some reason, I don't know, you can buy human fat And have that biologically sent to your house in some type of biohazard container. Most of us are thinking, I'm going to get that out of my house. But if you wanted to buy it and have it arrive at your house just for you, they'll do that. And sometimes we think of God as that, that he just exists to give me exactly what I want within two days. And I can even do it sitting on the couch. And if you ever Amazon from somewhere other than Couch, Couch is sanitary version for where you've done it. But we think that God is like that, But he just exists to give me what I want. And what we're going to talk about today brings together the truth out of both of those extremes. That he's not the referee God, that he's not the Amazon God, but he's something entirely better for you and for me. And what we're going to talk about is called the Incarnation. It's a big word that means massive things. But what it means, baked in the middle, that incarnation, is carne, that God becomes human. In the book of John, there's a guy who's writing it, who literally walked around with Jesus and saw Jesus do all of these things. He, he says in John 20, verse 31, the media team is going to put it on the screen. He says, These are written so that you may be, continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That means God's chosen, anointed from the very beginning of time, God's Savior for his people, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. You see, in all these things, I'm going to explain to you so you can understand who God is. He's better than the referee, he's better than Amazon. He's incarnate God. And so what Christmas reveals, or what Christmas leads us in is the fact that God became flesh. God became human. We like to say here that Jesus is God with skin on because Jesus became human for you and for me. At the very beginning, so like rewind 12 or 20 chapters from that book. In John chapter 1, verse 1, John begins his eyewitness account of who Jesus is and the great things that Jesus does in the world. And he's writing to Greeks, which means nothing to us right now. So let me explain it. Anytime you're having a conversation with someone, you talk about things that they're going to care about in order for them to listen to you. So chances are none of you noticed on the way in, but you might notice on the way out. The Christmas tree that's in the lobby, the people who decorated it yesterday, wanted to balance it perfectly between red ornaments and black ornaments. So it could be either a 49ers Christmas tree or a Raiders Christmas tree, right? (laughs) Regardless of the way that you look at it, your team is on there. And if you disagree and you throw it on the lawn, we'll know you're a Raiders fan because that's how you people live. So John is writing to Greeks, and he wants to start in a way that they're going to understand. And they're not like the the dirt under your fingernails types. These are the toga types. So put on your toga, get ready to philosophize, and this is how John starts out his letter to Greeks, hoping that they're going to pay attention. And the way that he does this is he talks about Jesus, not by just saying Jesus, because that's too simple for them. They need a way to understand. They need to get around to John talking about Jesus. Whereas for us, we want all the answers in less than 20 minutes. So when we're talking about Jesus, we talk about Jesus. But for them, they want to take the roundabout way to it. So he doesn't just say Jesus. He says the word. And so John starts talking like this. He says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. The word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. That says two helpful things about who God is and, and who Jesus is as the God with skin on. The Word became flesh the incarnate version of who God is. This is two things that are helpful for us. The first is that the incarnation was not the beginning of Jesus. Christmas, we celebrate Jesus being born as a human baby, but that wasn't the beginning of Jesus. It says right there, verse one, chapter one, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. The word was God. God. It's so much more than just a small baby being born who wants to be with you. As Christians, we believe that Jesus is equal to God the Father. We have one God who's revealed in three different people, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, who lived among us, God's Son, and then God the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us because Jesus is a flesh-and-blood person, can't live in your heart. So God's Spirit moves in to us. The Incarnation wasn't the beginning of Jesus. Instead, what it is, is it's the reality, it's the realization of thousands of years of God's people leaning into this fact, leaning into the idea that our world is broken right now, but God is sending a savior. The Messiah, what, the verse that was up at the beginning, God's anointed, God's chosen savior. And so the world is leaning into the fact that God is going to send someone. That this someone isn't just going to appear, isn't just going to start, but it actually this someone existed from the very beginning. And where I think that shows hope for you and for me is that God's saying to us, man, I was prepared for you. I didn't have to rustle. I didn't have to like figure stuff out last second when you showed up with your problems. And in fact, God was ready all along. Think about it. Like Service ends in a little bit. If you're new here, it'll probably end before you expect it to end. You're welcome. And on your way out, you decide, you know I'm not going to go straight home. I'm going to go out to lunch with somebody. And then you realize, man, all the good Mexican places around here are closed on Sundays, so I'll have to go somewhere else. Um, and you decide, okay, you can drive because I'm not going to drive. I want to ride together. And then you get to their car, and you think that if I was taking somebody in my car or even had the possibility, I'm going to make sure that it looks good for them to show up but you open the passenger side door and McDonald's falls out of their car. Like, you know, that, know those moments where you try to keep everything neat and tidy in your life and then life happens and the world explodes into your car and there's a little bit for you to sit in and the rest is just, it's complicated. That's what's falling on your feet as you're like, I, I'm not getting in there. Because there's no preparation. There's nothing within that car that's now on your feet that says, yes, I planned for somebody to join me today as we go to drive 20 miles to somewhere that's good to eat. Jesus' existing before time is God's promise to you and to me that he can handle us, that he's not throwing stuff together last minute, He's not wrapping the presents, just hoping that you can get it done before the kids wake up on the 25th. Is there's preparation. There's a heart there. The incarnation, God becoming human, incarnate and with flesh on, God with skin on, is the realization that from the beginning of time, God knew that you were gonna come along. He doesn't just exist like we know where we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but we know everything that happened yesterday. God looks at time more like a comic strip where the whole thing is there on the page and you just go from end to beginning to middle to beginning to end. It's not like you're bound in one box. But God sees all of it. Jesus sees all of it, sees you and me and every excuse we can bring to the table about why our problem is just too much for God. And God says, no, I already prepared for you. I'm not behind. It's not too late, too early, too complicated, too far gone. And in the incarnation, God becoming human after already existing outside of time shows you and me that he's prepared for us. It's not just for God's glory, but it's also for God's mission. Because the incarnation demonstrates Jesus' humility and obedience to God the Father. The incarnation demonstrates Jesus' humility and obedience to God the Father. How does it do that? It's like right here, next to the guitar. We've got the manger, which is where Jesus was born. And we've got the cross, which is where Jesus died. And the two of them are linked together. Jesus came into the world to leave the world in a very specific way. And it was talked about for hundreds of years before Jesus came. That he's going to give his life as a ransom for many. That he's going to be pierced for our sorrows and and crushed for our sin. And that he's going to do it all because this is God's way of making a fallen, sinful, rebellious, broken human race that looks like you and me right with a perfect, holy, just, righteous God. It's the good news about who Jesus is that God loves the world so much that he sent Jesus into the world. The reason why God sent Jesus into the world is because people like you and me are separated from God because of our sin and we cannot change that. I am a sinner, you are a sinner and that is why Jesus came. The manger is always linked to the cross because that's the beginning and the culmination of Jesus' mission in the world and Jesus accepted the mission. Jesus said, yes, I'm gonna go. He's got the humility and the obedience to trade his life for ours when we could not do it. Romans 8.3, it's, it's, it's a passage from a huge book following the eyewitness accounts from Jesus. It says this, the media team's going to put it on the screen. It says the law of Moses, that's a list of 619 things that God's people were supposed to do to have a relationship with God and God knew that they couldn't do it. So God brought in Jesus as the fulfillment of all 619 of those. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies that we sinners have. Let's keep going. And in that body, so in that incarnation, in that God becoming flesh, Jesus is God with skin on. In that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. The incarnation was a mission of obedience and necessity. And nothing was going to happen for you and for me without it. We're separated from God because of our sin, and so God sent Jesus, God with skin on, God incarnate to make us right with God. If you look up here, there's 16 bricks times three campuses, so that's 48 bricks, times one campus, uh, one Mountain View campus who wanted to do a lot more bricks than the others. It ended up to 80 bricks that we needed to get from Lowe's. Uh, and if you know me, I don't do well sitting still. So I thought, yeah, I'll go. I'm the lightest of the three campus pastors, so I'm definitely going to go. This is a great idea. Uh, And so I got to Lowe's, and I got one of those flat carts, and I started loading 80 bricks on there, not really thinking about anything beyond that other than I have a truck, and I'm pretty sure everything's going to work out. Uh, And so I got my 80 bricks loaded, and right about the time that I'm about to go, um, go to the cash register, some Lowe's employees come up, And I just really hope they don't need me to move my cart because I'm trying. So I first start pushing it, just like thinking like straightforward is going to work. And like it has to work because I need to get these things here eventually. Straightforward's not working. So then I decide because when might works, when might doesn't work, effort usually works. So I think if I start pulling it from one side and then pull it to the other and eventually start to get like some sideways momentum, maybe that can translate into forward momentum, which it didn't. Um, And so I've got my pile of 80 bricks there on aisle 48, ready to go, uh, and two employees show up, and this is what they looked like when they showed up. Let's go ahead and show the picture. Yes, that's a (laughs) forklift with these babies on there. And if you're that guy, thanks for moving out of the way. I appreciate it. That plywood weighs like 10 pounds. That's all. I win. (laughs) There was no way I was moving the bricks. So who showed up? Is A dude with a forklift. Actually, two of them, because one of them dragged the forklift and the other one like carries the flags to say, look out, there's a forklift. <laughs> Nothing was happening on my own. I couldn't mite my way through it. I couldn't effort my way through it. I needed somebody to come help. And that's what the incarnation is. It's Jesus leaving heaven, putting on skin, being born like we're born, to face every temptation that we face to be hurt, to be betrayed, to be hungry, to be tired, to be irritated, but to do all of it without sin, to offer his life to God as a perfect sacrifice, his sinlessness covering our sin, and us receiving his sinless relationship with God. It's the mission for why Jesus came. a little bit, uh, Aaron is going to lead us in worship again. And as we do, we're going to take communion because communion celebrates the fact that God became human for you and for me. There's two pieces uh, up here, like always. The first one is bread, which represents Jesus's body, which absorbs the wrath of God for you and for me. The sin that separates us from other people, the sin that makes our relationships complicated, the sin that makes you and me unacceptable to God on our own, was paid for by Jesus' body. Jesus' body absorbed the wrath of God that you and I earned, created, set up, deserved, all of that stuff. And Jesus' body absorbed the punishment that we deserve when he died on the cross for your sins and mine. And the juice represents Jesus' blood, which creates a new covenant, a new relationship between a holy God and a very unholy humanity where God meets us as enemies and loves us like family. We walk up to the table not having the bread, not having the juice, so we walk up to the table as enemies and we leave the table as family. I love it where the the new relationship between God and humanity, we're not just good, we're family. We're sons and daughters of God. We're invited into a relationship with God. So as we close today, that's one of the ways that we can respond is we take the bread, we take the juice, saying, Jesus came on a mission for you and for me. But why? Why does this matter? Why is this more than just a Bible lesson and something that you can not use ever in your life? It's how the passage ends. Verse 10. It says he came into the very world he created, but, he, but the world didn't recognize him. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. It's the two pieces of God from the beginning. It's the holy God who's filled with glory, taking on human flesh to live among us. And it's the God of love who loves you and me enough that we are worth leaving heaven for relationship leaving heaven to forgive us from our sin, leaving heaven to establish a new covenant between a holy God and an unholy people so that the world would know Jesus who came for them. The world would know the forgiveness that can only come from God so that the world would know that Christmas isn't just the culmination of a bunch of miracles, but but that Christmas is God's first step toward relationship with us. God's first step before we had ever done anything, God's first step to send Jesus who's sufficient to pay for our sin, God's first step to fill you and me with the Holy Spirit, to make us more like him from wherever he finds us. It's God's love chase after you and me. It's God's big ability to get really, really small. That in all of that, in God's love, in God's power, in God's holiness, in God's justice, There is no part in your life that's too small for him, that's too broken for him, that's too far gone for him, that's too dead for him, that's too gross for him. Because that's why he came. That's why he became like us, to bring us into relationship with him. Let's stand and pray.